0: We hope you find these podcasts informative. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day, and welcome to episode 184 of a Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. Today, we're going to kick off a new series on industrial corporate venture capital. For this series, I'll be partnering with Michael Dolbeck, our managing partner of ventures at Momenta, who happens to also be the former exec director of GE Ventures. For our first speaker, we're pleased to have Thurston Cromwell, Vice President of Development and Innovation at Emerson, where he leads Emerson Ventures, the company's corporate venture capital arm. Emerson Ventures is backed by a $100 million commitment to invest in early-stage companies and technologies in the area of discrete automation solutions, industrial software, and sustainability. Prior to his role with Emerson Ventures, Thurston led acquisitions and divestitures as a member of Emerson's corporate development team. Prior to joining Emerson in 2015, Thurston served as Senior Vice President and General Counsel of Cartesian, a NASDAQ-listed software and services firm in the communication sector. Thurston, welcome to our Digital Thread podcast today. Ken, Michael, I appreciate the opportunity. Seems like a fun conversation to be had. As well. And I appreciate you being willing to be the first on this new series. We've always worked very closely with corporate venture capital in some sense. Momenta operates as corporate venture capital as a service for some LPs as well. And so we thought, what a great time to really talk about the different investment thesis for the various OT leaders, of course, Emerson being among those in the space and really to benchmark a little bit. So I appreciate you being the first to offer for that. Of course, I always like to start this with a brief background on yourself, so we'll call it the digital thread. What would you consider to be your digital thread? In other words, the one or more thematic threads that define your digital industry journey?
1: Yeah, great question. I guess my digital thread started when I joined a company called Cartesian in 2006 as their general counsel. Cartesian was a NASDAQ-listed consulting and software firm serving the communications and media industries. And over that time, working with a great group of folks, a bunch of real luminaries in the industry. One of my former colleagues, uh, Howard Watson, is now the chief technology officer of British Telecom Group. But it was a group of people and technology serving a very exciting industry in the early to mid-2000s in the telecom sector and we had a unique software platform for operational and business support systems for the telecom industry. And immersing myself into that business and working with those teams, it ultimately led me to become, in addition to general counsel, general manager of a business that we started from scratch, which at the time, the mobile device world was a highly subsidized model and the carriers with cell phones and do two-year contract commitments. And it was at the very beginning of the transition from that model to an alternative financing model for cellular devices and smartphones. And we came up with a solution leveraging our software platform that was an event management software as a service that helps telecom operators manage the recovery of devices and build the residual value of those devices into an alternative model. And it was an exciting time to work within a business that was starting a new technology and moving into a fast moving sector. So leading that initiative for Cartesian was sort of my first step into the digital realm. After my time at Cartesian, I came to Emerson and joined Emerson at an exciting time when it was implementing what was called the top of the pyramid strategy. And the top of the pyramid strategy was an idea that Emerson has dominant positions in the area of devices and then above that device layer, it has a dominant position in the area of controls. And given our unique position via devices and controls, there was a great opportunity for us to expand our data management position. So we were at a time being on the M&A team looking for acquisition opportunities to help effectuate that top of the pyramid to data management strategy. And so I got to work on a series of exciting acquisitions that were helping us make more of a digital migration. So that would be sort of my precursor digital thread that led up to in November, taking over the full-time initiative of our
2: Emerson Ventures. Hi Thurston, Mike Dolbeck here. Thanks once again for joining the podcast. Emerson, of course, made this huge splash with the majority position you took in AspenTech. What inspired you to make that move? How has it worked out so far? Well, the transaction closed on May
1: 16th, so it's fairly fresh, but it's been very well-received. Emerson's now a 55% owner in a new Aspen Tech that remains a NASDAQ-listed company. We contributed our transmission and distribution digital business, OSI, as well as our geological simulation software business. And what it does is it really gives us access to an industry-leading software company with immediate scale and relevance in a fast-moving, evolving market, which uh, is very exciting for us. We see great synergies. Working with Aspen, as announced, we have, we're calling an enhanced commercial partnership to bring both sides of two great companies together. And we really think it's gonna be a great platform for our future digital investment in M&A. Really kind of transition
0: from the M&A side to the ventures. You guys just recently formed Emerson Ventures. What inspired you to establish that? And what is its purpose?
1: Well, prior to forming Emerson Ventures, when I was doing purely the corporate development M&A work, we did dabble in venture investing and we saw it as a very powerful tool for what we have coined access to innovation. And what that means is there's great new product development and other initiatives that go on to build organic technology innovation within Emerson but the access you can get to that innovation DNA by working with early stage startups and relevant technology areas really has multiple benefits. So after seeing the success of some of our sort of one-off venture investments, when we had a change in leadership last year with uh, Law Carson by taking over as our CEO and Ram Krishnan, our chief operating officer, I was asked to develop and articulate a thesis that we could do venture investing on a more full throated effort. So we came up with a proposal that was very appropriate for Emerson's culture and approach and management process. One that recognized the need for close collaboration between our business units and the companies in which we invest. And we came up with something we call the Emerson Ventures Value Creation Model and uh, think that there's just a real great opportunity if we can execute that model correctly to capture a lot of value for ourselves, but also help create a lot of value in early stage, highly relevant companies to us. And the way we go about it is With every Emerson investment comes the commitment of a relevant Emerson business and the dedication of a subject matter expert from that business to do a deep dive engagement on a long-term basis with the portfolio company. And through that engagement, we seek two things. One, we seek to put our thumb on the scale of the success of the portfolio company by bringing the resources, perspective, insights, guidance of Emerson to the portfolio company, but on a informal basis, we let that occur organically. We don't try to force anything. And then at the same time, we seek for that person who serves as our emissary to the portfolio company on an advisory or observer board level to come back to their organization and share the observations and insights and understandings of threats, disruptors, trends, adjacent markets, that is sort
2: of, is the thesis behind much of corporate venture. There's the next, that's a very insightful answer. I'd like to follow up on that. You just mentioned previously, the access to innovation imperative. And I smiled when you said value creation, because I think that's the real secret to corporate venture capital is making sure you land impact And I think you just ticked off a number of things that are very thoughtful about preconditions that you set up so that the impact happens. Can I peel the onion a little bit? Do you have a way of measuring downstream what the impact was? Obviously, it usually starts out subjective, but does it eventually become something that you can measure? I know every corporate group that I've been part of struggles with this. So I'm I'm curious what your experience has been. So your question is, how do we measure those intangibles for
1: how we bring those innovation insights back to Emerson?
2: If you do, and of course it usually is intangible at first, what do you count? And as it becomes more tangible someday, what do you count then? Well, the quick answer is we really don't have a metric for strategic return.
1: Yeah, strategic return. But at the same time, I could look at our portfolio and I could give you a case study of every single company in which we're invested and tell you case by case how we have put our thumb on the scale, how we have actively engaged, how we've created value. One of the best stories we have, we participated in a very exciting OT cybersecurity company called Dragos. We got in at their Series B, and we had this notion that This is an area where we need more exposure to, and we need to understand where companies like Dragos are going, and due to its highly relevant connection to what we do in the power and water and other sectors. But we had no roadmap for how we were going to add the value of Emerson to Dragos, and it took us probably over a year of serving on their advisory board and having that just organic interaction with Rob Lee and his team to sort of figure out that this really would be a good product to integrate in the Emerson Ovation DCS system for power and water. And by the time we participated in their Series D last year, I believe we were their number one OEM reseller. And that was never part of the plan. We never negotiated any commercial agreements in association with our investment, we never would do that. But what we would do is allow for that organic, natural evolution of us understanding the portfolio company, the portfolio company understanding our needs. And because at the outset, we determined that it was of a high strategic value, that's how it became an extremely successful partnership.
2: I got it, It, that sounds, Totally rational and very familiar. It it seems like each investment, you know, there's no standard playbook you can always run with each investment. It's sort of a situational thing that evolves over time and presents itself as an opportunity. And then it's either something that your company wants to execute on or not, but it sounds like a very organic process. So yeah. And to that point,
1: we are very systematic in working with our businesses before we make an investment even though the investments are made at corporate held at corporate i am not out there playing warren buffett or (laughs) trying to win the lottery for us on make or break high risk high return investments so when we go about it what we do is we start with two things that the business and i sit down and do together one is a uniform scorecarding system that is sort of the second gate after they determine that there's a potential high strategic relevance. And through that scorecard system, which has both a quantitative component as well as a more important qualitative component, it requires the business to articulate the strategic rationale and other points such as technological advantages, competitive advantages in market and so forth. And then once we like what that scorecard process tells us, We then move on to the creation of a very in-depth strategic rationale deck that is largely led by the business units in support of the investment. And that really articulates what the vision is, what the vision could be if it's early stage and not known yet. And we do that with an eye toward in every instance, could this technology, could this company help Emerson deliver a better solution to a customer in the future. And that's really the litmus test behind the development of the strategic rationale. Got it. Thank you. So
0: Thurston, remind me a little bit about what you would consider to be the ideal investment in terms of kind of sector location, company stage, investment stage, et cetera.
1: Yeah, we developed a very clear vision of where we wanted to be. And it it sort of was based on and matches with what our overall portfolio positioning strategies are and if i had to put it three main buckets we would call it disruptive discrete automation solutions so such things as sensing machine vision robotics the second category we look at is industrial software enterprise asset management field service management manufacturing execution systems and then the third would be sustainability with a heavy focus on electrification, transmission and distribution, the tie-ins to our power and water solutions business, OSI business, environmental testing, and certain opportunities related to carbon capture or hydrogen. So those would be the three main buckets that fit well with our businesses. And then we look across all three of those main pillars for enabling technologies. So such things as cybersecurity, analytics artificial intelligence and machine learning along the
0: same lines what about stage what stage would you consider to be an ideal stage for you guys
1: our sweet spot is that series a that first price round that an early stage company is doing they've gotten past their series c they've gotten some degree of commercialization we really like the series a because we feel that under our thesis and approach where we're trying to be a value add strategic we can deliver the most value and have the most impact at that stage that being said we will certainly look at a series seed and we will certainly enter at a series b but that a is our sweet spot and that being said once we're invested we take a long view we look to be a partner throughout the funding life cycle of a company so When we make an investment assuming everything's going to plan we want to be there and participating in our pro rata through each subsequent round
2: thurston following on the point you just made about series a being the optimal place that you'd like to join because venture capital is generally a team sport and you syndicate risk with others how has your thinking evolved which other investment groups you Collaborate with. For instance, when you joined Dragos, there were, I'm familiar with that company's history, there's a syndicate that you were joining. How do you think about other corporate venture capital firms as well as institutional firms? Yeah.
1: So, under our approach, we love to partner with top tier financial VCs who are seeing the best opportunities early stage, who have the expertise in pricing those, who have the expertise in serving on fiduciary boards, serving on compensation committees, deciding what the employee option pool should be recharged to at each round. That's just a level of expertise and, quite frankly, a level of bandwidth that I don't have within the Emerson Ventures arm. So, if we can find top tier financial VCs that lead rounds, We like to come in, we like to articulate our value add uh, proposition, which we find in in the industrial technology realm to be a very compelling message to financial VCs and our desire to put our thumb on the scale, help the performance, add that subject matter expert to the advisory or observer board and look at ways that if the path exists, how can we incorporate this technology into Emerson Solutions? So that's our first approach. Our second approach is with regard to other corporate venture arms, we greatly enjoy partnering with the CBCs of our customers. Right before COVID, I went to Germany and had a great series of meetings with BASF Ventures. We've had a great relationship with Shell Ventures and we see a very good opportunity, even though one hasn't come to fruition yet, to partner with our customers VC arms and really sit at the table with them, look at an emerging technology, look how it could affect their business and ours in a positive way and what the opportunities are for collaboration around that technology. That to me would be just an ideal situation that we would love to find whenever the chance arose. Great,
2: got it. Let me change gears and just ask for a quick off the top of your head answer but our perception is that every industry has its digital disruptors for example tesla has had quite a prominent effect on the rest of the participants in the automobile industry and and so has spacex for commercial space exploration and exploitation when do you think we'll see such disruptors in industrial and process automation a friend of ours calls these who's the rabbit, is the question, in the sense that dogs chase rabbits, I guess.
1: Yeah, I wish I had a great answer for that for the early stage company that's about to be that rabbit, because I would go knock on their door tomorrow and see how big a check I could write them. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) But not to sound too self-serving, this is a genuine answer, but when I look at what Emerson is now positioned to do with a leading software company in the industrial process space like AspenTech. I think you're going to see a fair amount of disruption from us. So, self serving answer, maybe, but I'm a little excited about what the future holds in light
2: of this. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. You're Babe Ruthing the answer here. I like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks. Along the same lines, you mentioned earlier the way that you guys have your uh, thematics set up, and I'm curious what trends or startups are
1: you generally tracking at this point. One of the things that I am most excited about is our emerging presence, thanks to the OSI acquisition, which was one of the deals that I got to work on on the M and A side, about where this macro trend of electrification of grid digitalization of trends such as demand management. We had an investment this year in a very exciting demand management distributed energy resource company called Virtual Peaker, And we see this pretty compelling through line that goes from generation to transmission and distribution to the meter to behind the meter. And the implications that that can have for modernization of grids and power networks and all of the positive sustainability elements of that. So that's one area where I am extremely excited and see a ton of opportunity. And we're looking at a lot of things right now. Cyber continues to be an area of focus for us. We, in addition to DRAGOs, see things that for critical infrastructure, for OT are needed. We are looking intently at that. And then things like wireless industrial solutions have huge relevance to Emerson's business, edge, AI, ML, and then data solutions. Uh, We have a great investment, a a German company called Inmation that does industrial information management software and things that build around those ecosystems are exciting to us.
2: Thurston, I I just wanted to ask, I applaud the list because those are the same things that excite us as well. One of the things you mentioned, I want to follow up on, you mentioned cybersecurity. I'm sure you've had great success with Dragos. What do you see in terms of the protection of critical infrastructure and the trend towards zero trust and what the federal government seems to be imploring critical infrastructure people to comply to?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We have, in the process of building our network of firms with which we want to to work, I don't know if you're familiar with the group out of the D.C. area, Cyber Capital Partners, but they're a VC firm that is a trusted partner of the Department of Energy and some other government related labs and and helping to get some of the technologies from the lab to business models. And through our relationship with them, we realized that there are so many different areas where cyber is headed, especially in the critical infrastructure OT realm that one of the things we did under Emerson Ventures, but in partnership with Emerson's Advanced Design Center, which is a corporate support function that helps us think about technologies as they evolve and what might be over the horizon, we commissioned a strategic technology and innovation management process whereby we are doing a six or eight week study of various cyber applications that are relevant to Emerson. And then What are the buckets where we really want to focus as we see these investment opportunities arise? And then what are areas that we're going to jump in wholeheartedly or maybe just reserve a right to play or avoid completely? And we're in the midst of that process. So very relevant question. And I I probably don't have the black and white answer for you yet.
2: Yes, but it sounds like you're Investigating the trend in case there are startups worth partnering with and innovation worth Mm -hmm. collaborating on. Absolutely. Yeah. We have an investment in a company called SAGE, which is spelled X A G E, so it's hard to find unless I spell it out. But I think they're pulling on the same thread. The idea is to, well, how do you translate the concept of zero trust into a protection of cyber critical infrastructure? where the endpoints aren't always PCs and and the attack surface has been left relatively unprotected because they're a couple decades behind in terms of cybersecurity. So very familiar with that area, and I'm glad you guys are focusing on that.
0: Now, really kind of as a, a final question there, Thurston, where do you find your personal inspiration? What are you reading or watching these days?
1: I'm a very avid reader, but a, a lot of history, especially in biography. But listening to your podcasts and knowing that this is a wrap-up question, I, I, I was giving it some thought. And I realized both from time and doing acquisitions for Emerson and now as leading Emerson Ventures, ability to meet founders and to talk to them and to understand what they their path and what they've gone through and how they've gotten a business to the point where an Emerson is interested in acquiring or investing some of the more most interesting conversations that I could hope to have. And I'm a fan of that NPR podcast, How I Built This. don't know if you're familiar with that one. It interviews founders, but I feel like in my day job, I kind of get to do that even in things we don't end up investing in. Just hearing that management presentation of how it went from idea to the point where we're looking at them, I find that extremely inspirational and probably learn more from those conversations than any other conversations I have.
0: We can certainly empathize. That's one of the funnest aspects of being a venture capital is constantly being exposed to new ideas, or at least, let's say, new pitches of existing ideas many times. Since you like history, maybe I can offer you a book. I just finished reading something called The Power Law, Venture Capital and the Making of the New Future by Sebastian Mallaby. It just, I think, was published earlier this year. It's really the history of venture capital, the things that we take for granted in terms of structures and approaches and even the disruptions from you know, people like the Tiger Global and, and SoftBank, a really good history book. So I would promote that as a interesting, really kind of a history there that may be interesting to you, given your CBC and VC background. So I'm writing so, it down now. There you go. So Thurston, thank you for sharing this time and insights with us today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. The pleasure, believe me, was all ours on Mike and I's Yes, thanks. This has been Thurston Cromwell, Vice President of Development Innovation at Emerson and Head of Emerson Ventures. Thank you for listening and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Thread podcast series. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at one for archive versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.